Hello, thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance his kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. So this morning, we are, we are going to conclude our week uh, three of our real life series, Closing on Finance. Now, finance is one of those things that, if you realize it or not, everybody deals with finances. Everybody. And, and you know, it's hard because I'm like, okay, what in the world do I teach on with one week? You know, there's so much to it. There's so many details. There's so many things I, I can give you, but I'm just going to give you kind of the nuts and bolts. So just a reminder though, in this series, so week one, we looked at how to thrive while being single. And then we looked at fighting for a healthy family uh, mindset, breaking unhealthy mindsets. So we looked at the single, we looked at the mingle. And today we're looking at our finances, the jingle, the money in our pocket, what we're doing with the, with the financial provision that God has given us. So two things I want you to think about as we have this discussion, number one, that managing finances will result in being able to do more with money, but handling money poorly will result in having a lot of troubles, okay? You have to learn to handle your money or your money will handle you. It will, I promise. And number two, our finances are one of the greatest measures of stewardship that God gives us. Those are two things that I really want us to be thinking about as we go through some of this content. Now, sooner, the, the sooner you learn about finances, the better off you'll be. Um, I know that the, the reason so many of us have problems with finances is because we're not really educated, we're not really taught, we're not really learn, we don't really learn about finances. How many of you learn the hard way about finances? Right? You're like, oh man, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have signed that. I shouldn't have, you know, we learn the hard way. Well, it's a lot better to learn before you get there rather than learn to getting out of the hole of a, of a bad financial move. Now, schools teach very, very little about finance. When I grew up, I remember they taught me how to write a check, which I don't know how many young people know how to write a check. It's kind of become obsolete. People still take checks, believe it or not. But we were getting to a digital credit card, swipe it and go, you know, uh, just walk up, put your card by it, put your key, key fob by it. It's going to pay for everything. You know, it's changed a lot. But the school system has done very, very little. And I actually walked around the office of finding people that were way younger than me and said, hey, what did you learn about finance in school? Uh, nothing. And then I actually called a, uh, a, a, a professional, an educational professional, and I asked the same question. What are they learning in school to help them be successful in finance? And he said, well, there's a class, but it's not obligated. It's not mandatory to take. I'll tell you what, school systems have to implement finance. But I tell you what, if the big guys making the rules keep you uneducated, guess what? They will profit off of your life. So there could be a little bit of plan there to... Uh, to skim off of us being uneducated about finance, to be very, very financially successful. So this morning, I want you to know, first and foremost, the teaching of finance has to come from the home. Has to come from the home. It has to come from those who understand finance a little bit. Now, this morning, you say, how can I teach my kids about money when I don't even know how to manage my own money? You there? The idea is to make sure you continually grow and learn about money so you can teach them about money. Okay, we have to educate ourselves and then educate them. This is a two-way process. So this message is geared to help you today. It's to give you some nuts and bolts of what to do, what not to do, and the framework of what really makes successful financial habits. Teaching your kids what you did wrong financially may save them of a pit hole. 
Now, most of y'all don't want us to talk about that. You don't want to talk about the, well, I shouldn't have bought that, or, you know, it seemed too good to be true, but I went ahead and did it, and then you figured out later there was some clauses in there. You know, hey, you don't have to pay interest on that. You can have it for 16 months, no interest, and then at the end, guess what they do? They bust you with all that interest if you didn't pay it off before it's paid off, and, you know, or that, that whole, hey, you know, get it now, pay later. You know, anything that, 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 you know, gives you what you want right now without the, the cost, I would be weary and be careful of what you do or what you sign. Read the fine print. But you need to help your kids know what you've done well, what you've done wrong. How many of you know the coulda, shoulda, woulda story? Tell them that. Hey, let me tell you what I learned. Because we don't want them to learn the same way we did by lack of knowing, right? Lack of understanding. You know, I've told my daughters, I was trying to talk to them a while back about money and loans and borrow money. And uh, I was trying to explain, hey, you know, you get a loan, then you got to pay it back. But there's interest. She just looked at me and said, Daddy, can I come talk to you before I borrow any money? I said, absolutely, baby. <laughs> Fix that problem, right? But we don't, we just, you know, that independence, that wanting to do it our way, figured out ourselves, guess what? That can cost you a lot. I'm not just talking about, you know, physically. I'm talking about financially. It can cost you a lot if you don't know what you're getting into. So um, if we don't change anything we're doing right now, in the future, we will be at the same place we are right now. So pause right now. What do your finances look like? What are your spending habits look like? Are you in a good place or are you in a bad place? If you do not change anything, you will be in the same position months, years, and potentially decades from now. Now, most of the time, if we're trending in an in a unhealthy finance pattern, guess what? How many of you know it snowballs, right? Borrowed money has interest, interest compounds, and it does not work for you. It works against you. So if you keep those trends, you keep borrowing, you keep borrowing, you keep borrowing, you can get to the end of the road and say, man, what did I do, okay? So we have to change something. But this can be, if you have good habits, keep Keep implementing these good habits. If you got bad habits, please change. And, and I want to encourage you to change some of these bad habits so we can change the outcome down the road. Ignoring bad money habits will not magically fix your problems. You ever done that? Oh, I'm just going to go to sleep and I'm going to wake up and Jesus is going to make it all better. You got zero in the bank, you got zero in the bank. Now, I've heard of those miracle moments, but I see that God works more in the stewardship than the miracle moments. He wants us to be diligent. He wants us to be intentional. He wants us to, to focus on some concepts that will help us be successful in finance. You know, and I think sometimes we are, we are reaping the results of ignorance. We are, we are, we are really uh, reaping the, the harvest of bad, poor choices. And we're like, I don't understand. Well, you should have understood before you signed or whatever you did, okay? So uh, let me give you one more nugget before we look into some of these concepts. Did you know one of the top five reasons always, it doesn't matter what forum, what you search, what you Google, do you know the top five reasons people get divorces because of finances? Top five, every single time, it's a money issue, right? How we're spending, I'm not spending enough, he spends like this, I spend like this, she spends like this, I don't want to spend like this, and it's a finance issue. So finances affect a lot of our life. It affects families. It affects marriages. So now that I have you convinced that finances are important, you need to pay attention to finances, let's dig into some scripture. 
and get some guidance from the word. Matthew 6, 19 through 24 in the NIV. It says, do not store up for yourself treasures on heaven in heaven where moth and, and vermins destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Verse 21, for where your treasure is, your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, and if the eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then light within you, and then the light within you is darkness, how great will that darkness be? No one can serve two masters. Either you hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So we see this contrast in this passage. We'll just talk about it just for a moment. You know, that passage in the middle, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, I'm like, Lord, what, what in the world is that passage being in there? Well, in the Greek, it says that word healthy is implying generosity. So, huh. So they weren't just random rabbit trail in the middle of a paragraph. And, but, and it says that you'll be full of, of, of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, and that, that implies being stingy. Being generous and being stingy. And then it goes on to say, you cannot serve God and money. You can't serve money and God. They're going to be in conflict. Now you can serve God with your money. Get that. Because don't say, oh, God doesn't love money and he doesn't want you having money. You can serve, serve God with your money, but you can't serve, your, serve money expecting to be your own God. And expecting to control every variable of your life. It says that those will be in conflict. It talks about storing up for yourself treasures in heaven, not treasures on earth. How many of y'all got a lot of stuff? If you had to move right now, you'd have to call the whole church to help you. <laughs> Think about it. Yeah, in a, in a garage sale, ain't going to help you out. You still got a, you got a lot of stuff, you know, and, and you think about this dust and rust. And, you know, I remember my dad talking about stuff that's been in the garage for 20 years. He's like, yeah, I got that out in the shed. It's like. That thing's rusted, solid, and wearing, it's just junk, right? We hold on to things for so long, and we are accumulating stuff. And what does it really amount to? Sometimes nothing. Sometimes it has no value. Now, it helps your kids when I'm like, Dad, you got this toy? He says, absolutely, and I go get it. I'll borrow it, and I'll never take it back. No, what kind of, sometimes... Uh, you know, but it, it's, it, but most of the time stuff, it, it just rots. It, it, it just, it decays. Uh, it, it has a short, short shelf life and, and it amounts to nothing. But he, he, he encourages us in this passage to store up treasures in heaven, not storing up treasures on earth. We serve by, we serve God by honoring him with our money. Do you realize you don't have to buy everything you see? And if you're like one of those impulse in cap buyers that just walks up, man, I didn't know I needed one of those. And you throw it in the cart and move on. You don't have to buy everything that you see. Okay? Now, and I think also evaluate the question, do I need this or do I want this? Well, I really want to need this. That's not how it works. Is it a need or is it a want? The power to say no will go a long way in finance. Okay? Let's look at one more passage, Luke 16, 10 through 12. It says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? 
So this passage tells us that there is a, there is a contrast. The first one, that there's a, there's a contrast between earthly treasure and heavenly treasure. So an earthly treasure would look like spending our money um, on, on things that, that are of a selfish motive, earthly motive. Um, it, it, there's no heavenly motives. So think about this just for a moment. What is the first thing you think about buying when the money hits the bank? You know? Is it, you know, is it a need? Is it, is it something, you know, or is it just like, man, I'm going fishing, I'm going golfing, I'm going to go do, I mean, you know, party. Like, you know, it's like spring break every time the check hits. Like, I don't know. You know, what are your habits? What is your focus? What do you see those resources as? Okay. So earthly motives focuses on doing what I want, when I want, how I want. It's always about you. It's always about me. I'm not going to give it unless I can benefit from it, Right. I'm going to throw a party, but I'm going to be at the party, right? Everything is wrapped around me. So a heavenly perspective focuses on helping the poor, those in need, taking risks that will honor God, living a simple life. That's a key many of us need to pay attention to, living a simple life. We overcomplicate life all the time. So living a simple life, seeking the kingdom of God first, Matthew 6, 33, and trusting the promises and, and choosing not to be anxious in the things that God has said. So trusting in him, not being anxious. So that second passage, it talks about how we handle and manage money is, tr is truly a test from God. Let me give you one nugget. Don't get financial advice from individuals who are not being financially successful. If you got idiot friends that ha never have money and are spending it recklessly, don't ask them how to spend money. Or what are you doing with your paycheck? It's probably not good, solid advice. Right, so if, if you're going to ask somebody about money, find somebody that's being successful and has had some time using that money rather than abusing or being abused by that money in just a reckless lifestyle. You know, it, it's good to get informed about it. So in Second Chronicles 9.22, it says, King Solomon was great in riches and wisdom. So much more than any other king on the earth. So we're going to look at some Proverbs this morning because if he was the most wealthy and most, uh, 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 more than, and had more wisdom than any other king, guess what? We need to listen to what this guy says. We need to apply it to our life. So we're going to look at this morning four keys to being successful in finance. So number one, when we look at this, this number one is work hard. What does this mean? Work hard. That means go get it. That means get money to work with. You can't sit on the couch and earn a paycheck unless I guess you're working on a laptop nowadays, right? It's changed in our work ethic, in our work habits. You know, people want, you know, big figure paychecks, but don't want to work for it nowadays. Well, I can't apply for that job. I was making, guess what? If you ain't got no job, you get whatever you can get. You got to put a little hustle in it. I've always told people that are out of work or looking for the next job, I said, hey, guess what? I'd better be, I would rather fish for a job while I'm in the boat rather than treading water. Because when I don't have anything, it's hard to make it. I'm praying for a miracle every single day. So you've got to work hard. You've got to go get that money. You've got, you got to have something to work with. So the first passage we're going to look at is Proverbs 6, 6 through 11. And this is a warning against laziness. Pastor, are you calling me lazy? You figure out if you're lazy or not according to this scripture. I'm not calling you lazy, but if you're lazy, come on. You got to get to work. You got to put some work in. Go get the money. This is what it says. It says, Proverbs 6, 6 through 11. It says, go to the ant, you sluggard. Nobody got mad yet? Okay, keep going. 
Consider its way and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? Will you, uh, when will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. It's kind of a hard reprimand, right? But if you ain't lazy, don't worry about it. If you are, say, uh-oh, okay? Proverbs 24, 30 through 34, another Proverbs kind of along the same lines. He says, I went past the field of a sluggard, past the vineyard of someone who has no sense. So he's equating someone who's lazy, who is a sluggard, of, uh, of a, the equivalent of a man that has no sense. He says, Thorns had come up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds and the stone wall was in ruins. I applied my heart to what I observed and I learned a lesson from what I saw. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest and poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. So what am I saying to you this morning? Work hard and do your part and trust God for the rest. Don't sit there and expect, well, Lord, you're faithful. Come on. Got to be moving. You got to be active. You know, I think really God often uses what you contribute. Contribute very little. I mean, that's a miracle, right? You, you, hey, you got nothing, it just shows up. But I've often seen God will use what's in your hand. God is going to use what you are creating, what you're working with. You know, he used two, two fish and a few loaves. But guess what? They had the fish and the few loaves. If you're sitting there with holy hands lifted high, but they're empty, you got to get something in them. Say, Lord, it's my last 20 bucks. Lord, how do I multiply it? How do I do it? But you got something in your hands, right? You got to do your part. Let, let me tell you something. You're not entitled to anything. You got to work for what you got. You got to put in the work. And if any of you say, well, that's easy. You're a pastor. Come live one week in my shoes and you want to go back doing whatever you're doing. <laughs> now, there's good weeks, you know, I mean, but I'll tell you what, I had a lot more easy paychecks when I wasn't a minister. I'd call that still in a paycheck. I don't get too many of those very often anymore. Uh, but it, I have to work for, for, to make a living. I have to work hard. I have to be diligent. I have to apply myself. Um, you know, kids need to learn that what you get and what you have is, a, is equal to the work that you invested. You know, I think sometimes we're so quick, oh, here's this phone that's more expensive than mine. Guess what? You know what I think? My kids ain't driving nothing nicer than me. You want a truck like mine? Go work for it had to wait till I was like 36 to get it. You ain't get a truck like that. Now, if it's wore out in a piece of junk and I got a better one by the time they're driving, I might give them my truck. But they're not going to drive that. They're just not. Like, I mean, you know, like, I mean, I see parents buying these cars and it's like, dear Lord Jesus, buy me one too. Gimme, give gimme, give my name will be Jimmy too. I don't know. Like, let me... <laughs> Can I be your kid? Like, come on. Like, but there is this entitlement in this culture that, oh, well, I can just do this and this. And now I'll tell you what. Now, some people are being strategic, but they're putting in work. These, these YouTubers, you seen that? The YouTubers that are making a living off of YouTube posts? Now, let me tell you what. They're still in the hustle game. You, you look at it and you're like, oh, I could do that. Oh, good luck. But a trillion followers. Come on, man. It's hard to do. Start a YouTube channel. See how many people follow you. I got a thousand. Oh, well, you ain't even broke out of Bay City yet, right? <laughs> Everything we do, even though it looks simple and it looks profitable, required work. You know, where I'm at today just didn't come easy. And I tell people all the time, I said, Becky and I, we've made sacrifices to get to where we're at today. And we're at a good place, but it took work. It took diligence. 
You know, Pastor Noe worked at Tractor Supply for two years. Dear Lord Jesus, help me. You stayed there for two years? Yeah, why? Because I had to and I needed to and I needed to provide. And guess what? We always had food. We always had money in the bank. And God provided. Now, I look at what I made that year and it makes absolutely no sense. But let me tell you the rule. God will take what's in your hand and he will multiply it. He will honor that diligence and that work. Right? And I probably was spending a lot less then than I'm spending now. That's the other side of it, right? But you got to work. You got to hustle. You got to put the grind in. Um, you know, I would encourage you, uh, make your kids work for everything they get to some degree. Now, I'm not talking about food and shelter and clothing. Oh, you want some new jeans, huh? Like, come on, like meet their basic needs. But if it's extra stuff, make them work for it. Make, make them say, hey, you know what that, you know how much that's going to cost your dad? Oh, well, it's just a few hundred. Come on. They don't understand how much work it takes to earn a $100 bill nowadays, right? Takes some work. You know, even if I say, I'm going to pay you good, so I'm going to pay you $20 an hour. All right, Dad. Five hours later, you got that $100 bill that you thought was so easy to get. Five hours is a lot of work, depending on what you're doing, right? So make them work. Make, you know, all the kids are like, man, Pastor. Guess what? This is going to teach you something. Because you're going to have to work for the rest of your life if you want to have the benefits in life. You know, most people that have a lot or have something to show for, we work for it. We got a degree. We got educated. We applied ourselves. We, we took crafts. Maybe we learned things. Maybe we took jobs we didn't want. You know, Pastor Noe learned a lot of stuff at Tractor Supply. Also learned I never want to do retail again. <laughs> right? Now, the similarities are you got complicated people in retail and you got complicated people in the church. So he was preparing me. I'm just playing. All right. So uh, make, make your kids work a little bit for, for, the, for the extra fun stuff, right? You know, but we want to bless our kids also because guess what? Because of my diligence, because of my work, I, I can be a blessing to my kids also. All right. Um, now, when we're talking about earning money, there's one area of caution. Don't overdo it here and try to accumulate all the money in the world. Because there's workaholic, there's like, man, money's going up, money in the bank. And you start chasing after money. And you never get to that place where it's enough because, you know, what's, what's a thousand or what's 10,000 or what's a hundred thousand or, man, let's say God's bless you where you pop the million. Well, what's another million? And you just keep chasing after money. Money is a tool. It should not be the object of your whole focus, Right? Where I'm just chasing the next dollar. I had guys that I used to work with. Man, always. They would, I, they would set up a cot at work if you'd let them. They would live there. They would just try to earn as much money as possible. So just hear me. Find that balance between being content. Um, to, when your needs are met, evaluate how much further you need to go. Because the moment your needs are met and you have a little bit of extra to do some fun stuff, that may be where God wants you to say, whoa, 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 now look external. Because we can continue to accumulate this wealth for us, or we can really accumulate wealth to apply to the kingdom. Okay? Because it says, store for yourselves, you know, things of, of, of the kingdom, not of the earth. All right? So we have to work hard. We got to go get it. That gets money in our hand to work with. Number two, practice generosity. So that means give it. That God multiplies what you have when you give it. If you don't, if you don't plant a seed and you keep it in your pocket, guess what? That thing's never going to turn into anything. How many of you are, are, are farmers or you like planting tomatoes or like you're just fringe farmer where you like to plant things and something comes back right when you plant it? 
If you just keep them seeds in the pack, what's it going to do for you? Right? You got to give it. You got to plant it. You got to get it in the dirt. You have, you have to use it. So we have to give it. And, and money is that same way. So I'm going to cover real quick four types of giving in the Bible. Now, I could make this a whole sermon, but I'm not. But I want you to be aware of giving in the Bible. And uh, it, it's, that is the, the, one of the best ways to practice generosity. So we know about the tithe. You ain't heard about the tithe. Maybe you hadn't been coming that long, but I'm going to tell you about the tithe real quick. So the tithe, according to the Bible, is 10% of your income. Leviticus 27, 30, if you want to look that up. Um, but it, you, it can't count as an offering. Anything, anything you give more than that 10% is considered an offering. So you have a tithe, and then you have a seed slash offering, and that's in Luke 6, 38. It's mentioned as a, how an offering is different than a tithe is unlike the tithe, there was no requirement on how much an offering was. An offering is just kind of a free gift. There's really nothing tied to it. But we got to be real careful because sometimes we give an offering. So I gave an offering to the Lord, but you didn't give a tithe to the Lord. Right? So these are two separate things. You have a tithe and you have an offering. Um, offerings are more of a free will offering. It's a gift. It's, it's extra. So like if you got two pockets and you got a tithe pocket and you got an offering pocket, don't kind of just borrow out of the offering and say, I'm going to give it. But make sure you're giving your tithe, which is 10%. And then once you've given your 10%, now you can tap into offering. Because I think both, both, both are important. Both are biblical. Okay? But it's up to you how much seed you want to give, right? I can throw as much seed as I want from that offering pocket, or I can throw a little bit. None of those are wrong. But the tithe is specified as 10%. Okay, what's next? The first fruit offerings. This is in Leviticus 23.10. This is trusting for provision for the rest, where it talks about the first fruit offering. Bringing the first, bringing the best. This was a once, uh, once a year for every new blessing that you receive. So, like, let's say you get a bonus, what this would look like would be taking that whole, like, or you were get, let's say you get a raise. Figure out how much that raises and give God that full raise once. Oh, man, I've never done that, Pastor. I don't like this preaching. Let's go to the next topic, right? I've never thought about, I never looked at that. I never thought about that. But that is trusting God for the provision. It is the first fruits. When I get a raise, I say, God, you provided the increase. You gave me the job. You blessed me with the increase. And guess what? If we give the first, we've been living without it up to that point. So one more month ain't going to kill you, right? You might be like, oh, but I, okay. Money for me or money for God, right? You know, like, what is this for? So we give that first little bit to God and we trust him for the rest. It's the first fruit. It's bringing God our first. Um, now, this one was a little radical. Another example that I have was giving a full amount of your first salary. Man, that'd be tough, right? You know, like, man, like a whole month's wage right out of the gate. I was like, man, I wish I'd known that before now, right? You know, but... Let's say you get a new job, honoring God with that first paycheck. You know, in all of these, you know, these are voluntary. These are up to you. Like if you're giving, you're like, man, pastor, you making me. Hey, if that's your motive, please don't give. Allow God to lead you in your giving, right? You know, you know, just be, just honor God with what he, what he encourages you to do. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. Uh, know that all of these Proverbs, they are written by Solomon. Okay, it says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be full to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. What's the requirement? To bring the first fruits first. To give God the first tomato. To give God the first of whatever the increase is and it ensures the commanded blessing on the rest. Amen? You guys thought this was just tithe, but this is in anything that we do. We bring God. And actually, the Bible actually gave some specifications that if you got... If you're a farmer, it says actually cash some of it in and bring the money. Because you can't, you know, these big farmers had a lot of crop. They turned it to cash and they took it to the storehouse. 
All right. And so, so we have the tithes, we have the cedar offering, and we have the first fruits. And then number four, we have alms giving. Now, what this is, this is to be done secretly because I think we get distracted. Well, Pastor, I don't want to bring any offering up here because I'm supposed to do it quietly and silently. I'm not supposed We're getting it mixed up. Alms giving is giving to the poor. It's giving to those that don't have much. It's, it's, it says in Matthew 6, 1, and this is, I'm going to use the King James here because it uses the word alms. It says, take heed that you do not do your alms before for men to be seen of them otherwise you have no reward from your father which is in heaven but it says when you give these alms do it quietly do it silently don't get your phone and film yourself saying look i'm giving to this guy man that's i hate that man they're doing it's all over facebook oh look i'm giving to this homeless guy you made it all about you right yeah, that's not the motive. The point is just to help somebody out. It's not to get a pat on the back. It's not to say, hey, look at me. It is made to help somebody who's in need. So this is done in secret to the poor or less fortunate. This, this, is, giving, uh, uh, this is giving of human compassion and sympathy. 2 Corinthians 9, 10 through 11, it says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge your harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. God will provide what you have need of, but he'll also provide some for others. So, be, so to be generous, it, it doesn't mean that you're excessively giving a lot, but it means you're being intentional in what you're giving. Right? All right, so first and foremost, we got to work hard. We got to go get that money. Secondly, we got to give that money. That's what causes it to multiply. Number three, always save. So we have to get it, we have to give it, then we got to save it. How many savers we got in the room? How many spenders we got in the room? How many spenders we got in the room? You can go like that. <laughs> it's a husband and wife, and one said saver, one said spender. Hey, I'll set up a counseling message meeting with you later. Uh, so, so saving it means we have cash in the bank. If you want to know if you're a saver or not, look at your bank account. Because it might say you're a spender, right? If there's nothing in there. So when we look back at the ant, it says, Yet it stores its provision in summer and gathers its food at harvest. It, you know, so the ant, it, he's saving up for the hard seasons. And we know, if we've been alive long enough, we know there's good seasons and there's hard seasons, Right? We know that there's seasons of plenty and then there's some rough seasons where we really don't seem like, it, you know, we can stretch it out. But it stores up for, uh, uh, for the, in the summer for the winter. You know, think about a rancher. What do they put in the, in, the, in the hay barn? Put hay in there. For what? For all the cattle. For the winter time because what happens in the winter? There ain't much to eat. You know, they're, they're providing for their cattle. Why would we not prepare for ourselves in the same way? We think we're just going to munch on the Holy Ghost. God's going to be good to me. I know I ain't got nothing, but I got this seed faith. You got the faith with no seed. Come on. We have to store up. We got to be smart. If you haven't dealt with anything catastrophic, it is going to happen. And I don't got to be a prophet to tell you that. It's going to happen. You got to have provisions stored up. You got to have something in the barn. You got to be saving every single paycheck. Whoa, 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 Pastor. Every paycheck? I thought the one was the first one was for me and the second one was for my wife, and then we'll see if there's any left over and we'll give it to God. No, come on. Every single paycheck you need to set something aside. 
Save a little every single paycheck. Safe, savings is the safety net that for when a financial emergency happens, you have cash on hand to pay for it. Okay? Um, in just a minute, we're going to look at spending. We're just talking about saving right now because you got to save before you spend. Because you can't spend and then save because you ain't going to have anything left. Okay? So when we look at saving, uh, we got to realize what is an emergency and what is not an emergency. And just to help some of you this morning, I'm going to give you a little bit of an exhaustive list. Okay? So this is not an emergency. Planning a wedding is not an emergency. Attending a wedding is not an emergency. Purchasing a birthday or holiday gift is not an emergency. Taking a vacation, even though you feel like it's an emergency, is not an emergency. Putting a down payment on a home is not an emergency. Remodeling your home voluntarily. Oh, well, you know, pastor, I feel a little more spiritual when I got all these nice things in here. I can really only feel the presence of the Lord when I got that 72-inch plasma looking back at me in my living room and the Holy Ghost just moves in the mighty way. That's not an emergency. Don't do it. Replacing non-essential electronics is not an emergency. If your TV dies, you don't have to buy a new one. Even if you want to buy a new one, you don't have to do it. It's not a, nece it's not a necessity. It is not an emergency. Amen? Man, if one of y'all been begging for one of these, I'm sorry. All right, so what is an emergency? Because I want us to look at the other side of the coin because just like we need to know what is not an emergency, we need to know what is an emergency. Losing your job, that's an emergency. Medical expenses, emergency car or home expenses. Um, and now these last two, that, home, that car or the home, hopefully you got some type of liability insurance coverage. If you don't, you know, you're going to have to be able to pay for those repairs in cash with what you saved or God willing, you need to be able to pay the deductible for the repairs. That's how insurance works, right? We are like, I don't I hate this insurance. If something happens and you can pay the deductible and they fix everything, that'll be the one day you're glad you have insurance, right? So be able to pay that deductible. Don't say, oh, I can't afford the deductible. You got to save. You got to be ready. You got to be prepared. Um, what else would be, you know, a death in the family. Those things come unexpectedly and, and nobody's prepared. Guess what? We all going to die. Every single one of us. Nobody's planning to die, but you should still kind of plan to die and plan, uh, provide resources to be able to cover that, right? Um, so what is a biblical way to save, Pastor Noe? Because I know it's hard. This is what it says in 1 Corinthians 16, 2. Now, this example was used to, to, to accumulate a lot of money um, so that they wouldn't have to, like, take it all up at one time. Because, like, if I said, all right, guys, dig down deep. We're going to take up a love offering this morning. I need a million bucks. <whistles> I got that kind of money, Pastor. But let's say we were taking up money for the next three years, giving generously every single Sunday. And let's say God told us to build a new facility. And that's what it would cost. Guess what? If we stretch out over three years and we keep putting money in the bank, guess what? I think we could have $3 million in the bank. You're like, that's crazy. How does that work? This is how the principle works. It says, on the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. Save it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. You save a little bit at a time. You, you, you just continually give. You continually give. So it's just like that for you. You save a little bit every single time you get paid. So accumulating a large amount of money is achieved by being done in smaller chunks. Experts actually say you should have an emergency savings of at least three to six months of your income. How many of y'all just glad you're sitting down? Like three to six months. I'm living paycheck to paycheck, Pastor. Profe professionals say three to six months. How do you determine 
three months or six months. It, de it depends on the safety of your job. If it's, a, if it's super stressful and it's dangerous and you are like in a high-risk category of getting hurt or injured of not being able to work, you need to, sh you need to move towards that six months because the likelihood of something happening on the job is, is it's a higher liability. But if you're like, man, I'm like, sit at a desk, drink as much coffee as I want, I get as many breaks. It's super like safe then maybe you can lean on that three month. But it says three to six months planning, preparing. So I want to challenge you. What do I do, Pastor? I'm overwhelmed. I can't even, I don't know what to do. Start saving today. Launch an emergency savings for yourself. If it's 50 bucks, 100 bucks, 500 bucks, or 1,000 bucks, make it a goal to get 1,000 in the bank. Now, you may say, that's a lot of money. Hey, start somewhere. I can guarantee you some of y'all spent 1,000 last month on stuff you're like, how you know? Well, let me look at your receipts. I'm sure there's something you bought that you didn't need but you wanted. And you got to have that cash. You got to be able to save. So number one, go get the money. Work hard for it. Secondly, give the money. Thirdly, save the money. Have some cash in the bank. And number four, this is my favorite part. It's spending the money. It's using the money we make, using the money that we've, we've gained through work and being able to, to, to spend it on what we want. Now, let me tell you what. This is the most dangerous part. This is the one that will mess up most of us. This is the one that, that causes us to have the most problems. So here's what we do. We do not live beyond our paycheck. You got me? Can't live. Like, Pastor Noe's living like a millionaire. Won't last long. Right? I saw Bentley in town yesterday. Y'all know what Bentleys run? Big money, man. I was like, man, it's like a house on wheels. <laughs> I was like, man, I get you like. Oh, that's, what, that's what I always think about. I valet parked in Dallas for a while. I drove a few Bentleys. I'm just like, this is crazy. I don't even want to drive this car. It's so scary. I was like, man, I wouldn't like, I'd be yelling out the window, stay away from my car. Don't hit me. Like, I mean, I don't know, bubble wrap around my brand new car. But, oh, you know, you know, we have to live within our paycheck. Guess what? Pastor Noe's paycheck does not equate to Bentley. Doesn't like there ain't no, they're not even on the best day, so so what, what 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 do we need to do? You know Dave Ramsey. You know what he says? He says act your wage. Guess what? When Pastor Noah was working at Tractor Supply, I was acting like a Tractor Supply employee. <laughs> right? Wasn't a whole lot of nice stuff, but we had what we needed. You know, it reflected on my spending, right? I didn't just keep living like I wanted. That's probably why I made it in that rough season because we cut down, we shaved, we made sure that hey. We just need to eat, right? It was, there wasn't a whole lot of, uh, of flair and fun in that, but we realized that we had to make sure that our lifestyle uh, had to match our income. You can't say, oh, I want this and I want that and I want to do all these things. You can't do that. Act your wage. Proverbs 22, 7, it says, the rich rule over the poor and the borrow is sl uh, slave to the lender. Let me talk about that for just a moment. So if you borrow money or you owe money, the Bible calls that being slave to the lender. Do you realize that you are truly only free when you are debt free? You know, say, oh, I own my house. You paying on it? Well, yeah, you don't own the house. The bank still owns the house. You know, um, taxes, it is what it is. We can't get out of taxes. But, you know, you own the deed to your home. If, if you're still making payments on your car, guess what? TDECU might own your car, but you don't own your car till you have the deed to the car in your pocket. Once you have that, you own the home, right? So they know, you know, because like, let's say you default. Guess what? They will come get that home. They will come get your Bentley that you can't afford, right? I won't get that one long. Was I, I enjoyed it for one week, Pastor. <laughs> Came and got that joker. <laughs> Couldn't afford the payments, right? Um, 
So let, let me tell you something else. If you have to pay on credit, you can't afford it. Someone says, I got a credit card for emergencies. Well, make sure it's an emergency, something you can pay back, not something that you can't afford and you just put on the credit cards because you ain't got enough money. You know, Pastor Noe has a credit card. Me and Dave Ramsey got in a box out about that because like he wants you to cut your credit cards. I kept my credit card. I was like, well, as long as I'm diligent to pay it off. And that was one of those things that I was challenged with. Uh, but guess what? I have a rule. I don't put anything on the credit card I can't pay for cash. Now, if I'm doing online purchases or when we had all that crazy fraudulent, everybody's cards were getting hacked, I was like, you can have my credit card. You can't have my debit card because that's tied to So uh, that, that's just my personal preference on that. But I'll tell you what, if a credit card is a dangerous uh, resource to you, cut it up. If it gets out of control and you don't understand, you're like, it just made me swipe. I don't know. The bill's so high. How did we spend all this money? Did you do it, baby? Well, that's your card number, so I didn't do it. Right? There's a paper trail. If you go back, it's, man, it, run into a midlife crisis all of a sudden. You're sweating and you don't know what to do. And how, If it is a dangerous resource, get rid of it. So if you have to put it on credit, you can't afford it. Uh, just because you can make the payments doesn't mean you can afford it. I hear people say all the time, oh, I can make the payments. Well, I can make payments on a lot of stuff, but that doesn't mean I can afford it or want to afford it. You need to count the cost of all of your payments monthly. You start stacking enough of them, all of a sudden you got a big chunk of money you're paying out. 300 there, 400 there, 200 there. Man, I'm at 1000 bucks, Pastor. All your, all your subscriptions. Man, you start, oh, it ain't that much. It used to be cheaper than Dish. Now it's as much as Dish, right? You know, <laughs> kept going. All right. So just because you can make the payments or you can afford it doesn't mean that you should. Uh, debt and credit cards are not your friend. I don't know how much I can reiterate that. Credit card debt is one of the most dangerous kind of debts because the interest rate on those credit cards is outrageous. Um, so, uh, or, you know, the, the, the credit cards say, hey, buy, put it on the card now, pay later. Man, they're going to bust you up. Read the fine print. Um, you know, you eliminate debt by paying cash and not keeping a balance on your credit card. Let me, let me make sure you know, if you are paying the minimum, you will never pay off the card. You know why you pay the minimum? To make them rich and make you poor. You pay the minimum, there is interest. And do you realize that sometimes you can have so much on a card, you will never pay it off. You're like, well, it's only 26%. Idiot, come on. I'll loan you money all day if you want to let me make 26% on your money. Just come talk to pastor. We'll set up a meeting. Be like, how you driving that Bentley? You took the bait, right? We don't want to make other people rich and make ourselves poor. You know, I remember Becky and I, when we first got married, I think we, uh, was it, did we bounce a check? Yes. It was, I think we did. I think we bounced a check, but we had money in the savings account. We just didn't move money. I said, strike one, baby. Wedding on the rocks. No, it wasn't like it was like that. But I said, listen, we don't give, and it was $19, but I don't give free money away. The, the bank will forgive your first one if you call them. Yeah, we found that out. <laughs> she was trying to save our marriage. Uh, but I, I told her, I said, listen, baby, we work too hard for our money. I'm not giving free money away. I'll spend $19 on cheeseburgers, but they're not taking it just because we didn't manage it well. And I think we had the money in the savings. We just didn't put it in the checking cart, the, the, in, the, in the checking account, and it bounced, and there goes the charge, right? I think we did it one other time, and I was like, Lord Jesus, I love this wife you gave me. 
Uh, but we've grown since then. We've been a little bit more careful, have to communicate often. Um, but don't, don't waste money on fees, on, on interest. On, you, you're just throwing money away and you're making somebody else rich. Um, if you pay cash, guess what? You pay cash and you're done. You don't have to worry about it. So eliminate debt by paying cash, not keeping a balance on your credit card. Um, just like lo loans are a lot like credit cards, the only plus to a loan is usually that interest rate is less. But if you have a 30-year mortgage and you do the math of those payments over the 30 years, you bought your house two times or three times. Uh, you don't always realize that. So what I would suggest, if you can do, you're like, Pastor, how do you afford that? I don't know, but my, my best idea for you is to set a fixed 15-year mortgage and try to pay it off in 15 years. Well, pastor, the payments are going to be higher. Absolutely, but you're going to spend a lot less money on interest, and you're going to pay for the house one and a half times. And if you can pay more than that, you can actually almost buy the house for just a little bit more than you borrowed. Imagine that. How about that math that that teacher was teaching you a long time ago? Do the math. You don't want to do the math because the math is, it, it really reveals how bad that can be. So we got to be smart with our money and how we spend it. Um, this is my last and best nugget I can give you as far as spending. When you're spending money and you're having a hard time making it month to month, you have two options. You make more money or you spend less money. That's it. If you can't make it, you say, Pastor, I'm not making it. Well, guess what? That is insuring debt and possibly catastrophic debt if you cannot make it month to month. So you got two options. Go hustle, make more money. But guess what? I'd rather cut back expenses. I don't care how much I enjoy whatever. I would rather just not work than have to work extra. But there are times if we want to establish a lifestyle or we want to uh, live our wage, we might need more wages. Now, I'll tell you what. Life has been become more expensive than I've ever seen. It's, it, it costs a lot just to live let me even use the word survive like it's just a lot so be aware be aware of that can't control of inflation we can't control taxes we can't control all these things but we can trust God with the provisions that we've made and we can be good stewards of all that we have so number one what do we got to do we got to go get the money we got to make it we got to put in the work don't be lazy don't be slothful. Work hard and see what God does. Secondly, start giving. You're like, Pastor, I can't afford to give. Let me tell you what. Everybody that gave in the Bible, we have miracle stories following the giving. Guess what? We also have a promise in his word that when we give, then he's released to provide multiplication. Then we got to save it. Start somewhere. I don't care if it's $5. I don't care if it's $10. Start somewhere. You know, I'd, be, I'd be super excited if, if you come back next Sunday and you say, you know what, Pastor, we've never had an emergency savings. I got 20 bucks in there now. Hey, I'm going to applaud you and I'm going to be proud of you because it's more than you had. You did something. And then lastly, being careful how we spend it, getting to use what we've earned. This is the funnest part, but I tell you to be cautious because it can be the most dangerous part. One of the greatest resources I know that are out there, and we actually just did a class with our with some of our staff, is uh, Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. Uh, man, it'd be the best investment you ever made if you're having a lot of challenges with getting out of debt, getting emergency savings, getting all of these things set up. Highly, highly recommended. 
Um, we're kind of evaluating how many people would be interested to doing it as a church because we've talked about having it as a church resource, something that we can do together. Because guess what? When we grow, when we when we grow in our finances and how to manage it, it benefits everyone. Okay. So in your finances, be diligent in earning it. Be disciplined in giving, in saving, and in spending. How many of you this morning, you've heard everything I've said, but you're in the place of nothing more and nothing less of where you're really needing a financial breakthrough? Can you raise your hand for me? Are there some of you here? I mean, if you're good, then you're good. I mean, if you're in a bind, I mean, God's sitting here looking around the room. He might have that breakthrough for you if you're like, but if you're too arrogant, be like, oh, I don't need it. Okay. All right. We have to be realistic with where we're at. Can you guys stand with me? I want to challenge each of you to do your part. And guess what? It's more on us than it is on God, kind of. On earning it, on saving it, on giving it, and on spending it. You know, I'm convinced that we pray about so many things. How many of you prayed about hard things you don't know the answers to sometimes? We can do the same thing with money. He either knows everything or he don't. I think when we ask God, say, Lord, help me with finances, I don't think he's going to play. Oh, man, I'm not real good at that. He knows what we need to do. He knows the moves we need to make. And can I, can I challenge you uh, this morning? If God shows you what to do when you leave this place and you begin to pray uh, in, in regards to what to do, can, can, you, can you please commit to do it? That's all I ask you. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying, you know, don't listen to me. But when you pray and say, Lord, is there something I need to adjust? in the realm of finance in my life if he redirects you and he shows you something that's just to me being a doer of the word we're seeking God we're asking God for wisdom and he gives us a he gives us something to do we're like oh never mind I don't like that idea come on let's be obedient to what he leads us to let me pray over you and we'll get out of here all right Lord I thank you for your goodness Lord I thank you for finances and for provision and, and, and blessing and Lord I pray that uh the church would be the forerunners in kingdom work. Lord, I pray that there would never be lack in your house. Father, because I know that generosity is the key to unlocking so many things. Lord, I pray for each person in the room. Father, if they're struggling with finances and don't know what to do, I ask that they would just surrender to you and trust in you and father as you provide uh, the direction father that we would provide the obedience lord i thank you for what you're doing and father i uh, i even expect this year testimonies in the realm of finance where god has just made a way when really there seemed to be no way lord i thank you for what you're doing I cut you loose next week is our new membership class if maybe you've been attending for a while you're like how do I get more plugged in how do I become connected to the church new membership is the way to do that when you exit right there on that table on the right there is a sign up sheet for new membership class 
That is how you become a member. Let us know what you need as far as child care, how many people will be attending, and uh, we'll plan to meet together immediately following the service next week. We love you. Hey, if you got, if you have any prayer needs, we do have prayer teams available. If you want somebody agreeing with you, maybe specifically about an area of finance or something in your life personally, uh, we do have prayer teams available. If you guys can go ahead and come forward. And if not, you guys be blessed. Mothers, we love you. We honor you. Go spoil your mamas today. We love you guys. Be blessed. See you guys next week. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.